Let's have a word of prayer, okay? Father, I love you and thank you, God, for uh, all your blessings we've been thanking you for and remembering as we sung songs of praise and worship to you today. Lord, I thank you for this great week that you've given us. God, I thank you for uh, your, your power and strength, Lord, that has enabled us through this week. And, and God, the, the, the healing power, the keeping power, the sustaining power, and the saving power, Lord, that has been uh, shed liberally into my life. And God, I just pray that you challenge each of us to see these gifts and things that you've put on us and, and given to us and done for us, Lord, so that you can also use us as a channel, uh, Lord, or a means of getting them to others as well. I pray, God, for a challenge today, a challenge in our spirits, Lord, to, uh, to go wider, God, a challenge in our spirits, God, to, uh, to, to get into the streets, Lord, to accomplish, Lord, what you have uh, called us to accomplish, what you've gifted us to accomplish, what you've, what you've uh, designed us and created us each individually to accomplish for you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. How many of you have ever seen Lord of the Rings? How many of you have ever seen it? Okay, I want to know, I know how, how much detail you kind of need, because I'm not going to talk a lot about Lord of the Rings. I just wanted to use this to set up this uh, message today, and you don't need to know anything about the rest of it, because we're not going to see any more, but I just wanted to share some of this with you, because I wanted you to see this, uh, and uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a, I mean, listen, if you got nine hours, it'd be the, some of the best nine hours you could spend in entertainment, is just go rent all three movies and watch them all, because it's three movies about three hours long, not quite, not quite that long, unless you get the extended version, they're even longer than that. And David reminded me last night that one day uh, our son and a friend of his, they actually did that at our house when we were living in Texas. They just camped out all day long. He, was, they had, a, he had a friend from here in Alabama, and they just camped out all day long. And I, I think I watched as much of it as I could. I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but it was, uh, it was an enjoyable time. And, and this whole thing is about destroying. Now, now uh, J.R. Tolkien, that was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, and so what he's writing about, he's writing a lot of, and writes a lot of Christian theme in here. And so if you, if you heard what they're talking about, they've got to destroy this ring. And destroying this ring meant they had to go into, in, basically into the pits of hell. That's where they had to take the, uh, the ring to destroy it. They had to go, they had to venture, they had to... Um, uh, risk, you know, life, limb, death uh, by, by going in. They had to sneak in. And, and here in, in, the, in the midst of all of these warriors and able people, you know, the one that stepped up was the smallest one in the crowd, little Frodo. And he said, I'll, I'll take the ring back. But as soon as he did, then everybody else. And so uh, just a couple of things I want to point out to you from, from the clip. And, and it's really about this whole movie, but you see them right here in this clip. And that's why I wanted to draw this clip out because I wanted you to, wanted you to catch two things. That, because, and I really want this morning, I want us to start thinking this month in just a totally different level than we've been thinking. I want you to think about your life and what God's called you to do and what he's called you to be. And what you have the capability, I want you to think about it in a, in a different level, a different depth, but a different level of what God wants you to do and to be. And this series is, is uh, it, it's an epic series this, this month. And this morning we were talking about accepting the challenge to be epic. And here's two things, is that, is that epic uh, accomplishments always begin with an epic dream. So the first thing they had to do is they had, now this, this is a pretty big dream, that they're going to, they're going to deliver all of mankind, all, all the, uh, actually all the races of the earth, they're going to deliver by going into the enemy's camp and by destroying the powers of the enemy, by destroying the powers of evil. 
And this is a pretty epic dream, but you, you don't get epic accomplishments without epic dreams. If you want to know why, why some people around you have big things happening in their life and they're never happening in your life, I guarantee you one of the first places to look is your dreams. You know, because, you know, one of the things that we see in that clip is it's, it's not about who's the biggest, the tallest, the strongest, or who has the most weapons. I mean, we got a little uh, barefooted hobbit, you know, walking around. He says, I'll take the ring back, and he does it. You know, I don't mean to spoil the story for you if you've not seen it, but, but if, you've probably, if you've not seen it, you're probably not going to watch it anyway uh, at this point. But, but it's the smallest. You know, he, he has no weapons. He has no ability other than just a dream that I'm going to be part of delivering the people of this earth. You know, that, that's an epic dream, but that's the epic dream that every Christian is supposed to have as well. And we're not supposed to look and say, well, do I have the strength in my hands? We're not supposed to question, well, do I have the ability? Am I big enough, strong enough? Will, will I impress anyone else? Or, or will I challenge anyone else? Or will I scare anyone else, you know, uh, you know to, to, to scare the devil or to scare, scare the demons maybe that, that, that will come against me? That's not the, que- the question we're supposed to ask is not about any of that. The question we're supposed to ask is, is my God able to deliver people in this world from the powers of hell? That's the question to ask. And if the answer is yes, then you need to start dreaming big dreams about your Christian life. And today, I, I, I really want to challenge you to accept this challenge to, uh, to live an epic Christian life. Okay, so epic uh, accomplishments uh, must begin with an epic dream. And so if you don't have an epic dream, and, and uh, let me say this to you also. I've got epic dreams, you know, and, and I know I can't share everything. I mean, all the stuff I'm dreaming, if some, of, if some of you would come and sit with me and just ask me and I'll share it with you, some of you would say, that guy is crazy. He thinks, no, I'm just telling you what, what I'm seeing here around Church 29. This is awesome what God has done, but this is not the dream yet. I mean, this is the beginning of the dream. There's so many more things that God, there's so many more people that God wants to reach. But you know who he's going to reach them from? He's, or reach them through? He's going to reach them through me and you. But we got to have that epic dream, okay? And here's the second thing from this clip, is that epic challenges require epic commitment. Epic challenges require epic commitment. Now, this, I told you this is a, it's a trilogy. There are three movies that are all about two and a half to three hours long. And we've got a friend that uh, when, when this first one came out, they came out, you know, a couple of years uh, apart from each other. When this first one came out, he didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings, but he went with some of our other friends and just a bunch of guys, they went to see it. And this is, this is a guy my age, maybe a couple of years older. So, uh, you know, he's not a teenager. I'm talking about, you know, a guy about my age. And, and they go to see this movie. He didn't know anything about it, but he watched this movie. And at the end of the movie, Sam and Frodo, that's the, the guy who's going to take the ring back and his little buddy that first runs up, you know, they're kind of walking and they're on their way toward, into Mordor. And, and you see all this this vastness of the, of the land that's out before them and the, and the evil land out there where Boromir says, you know, it's a, it's a land full of evil where evil never sleeps. And, and they're looking over that and you, and you realize how far they've got to go and, and go into that. And it ends with them standing there on the mountain looking at, at the journey that they've got to take. And as, as it ends, uh, my friend, you know, he didn't know what this, he didn't even realize it was a trilogy. He didn't realize that this was just part one after he'd sat there for three hours. And so it ends with him standing there on the mountain, and he, he stands up in the middle of the movie theater, and he says, that's it? I mean, to everybody around, you know, he just says, that's it? That, this, is all, this is all this is the way it ends? I sat here for three hours, and that's it? And so they had to explain to him, no, this is trilogy. Well, I, you know what? I think I need to explain to us as well. 
Because epic challenges require epic commitment. And what do we think? We think the exact same thing as my buddy standing there in the movie theater, don't we? This is going to be over in about three hours. All God needs from me is a two or three hour commitment on Sunday morning, and I'm going to have an epic life. It's not going to work that way. You know, you're not going to spend, you know, like my buddy who sat there for two and a half, three hours. You're not going to sit here for an hour and 15 or an hour and a, hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. You're not going to sit here today in, in a, a theater type setting and, and watch something go on and say, this is going to be over. There's, I'm going to have an epic life. I'm going to have an epic Christian life. I'm going to have a, an epic marriage. I'm going to have an epic relationship with my kids. I'm going to have uh, an epic life in my finances. I'm going to have epic health. And it's, it's all going to be over by the time the pastor finishes preaching and we finish praying a prayer. It's not going to happen that way. If you want epic in your life, it's going to require epic commitment. To see beyond the two or the three hours, you know, it's more than just these few minutes that we have together on a Sunday morning if you want an epic life. If we're going to, you know, pull an example from the scriptures, there is one guy in the New Testament that to me just, I mean, he had an epic life. And there's several that I could talk about, but there's, this one is the one that God really, and really in the New Testament, I think he is the guy with the epic life. And so let's read a little bit about him from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the desert, and on the seas. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Now, this is an epic life, isn't it? But I know some of you are probably sitting there. That doesn't sound like any epic life like I want to have. You know, and maybe that's kind of what Boromir was talking about. He said, wait a minute, we can't go do this. You know, the guy who was arguing said, we can't, you can't go into Mordor and do this. You can't go into the, into the cities of evil. You can't go into this valley of evil. You can't go into the, into the pits of hell and do this work. You, you can't do this. But you know, you don't, you don't get to the epic life unless you're willing to risk the epic commitments and challenges and, and have the epic dreams and, and, and deal with the epic stuff. He continues on. He says, I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Probably still not talking to anybody and to want to do this, am I? I mean, you know, still because you're looking at all this stuff, you say, you know, who wants to do this? You know, who wants to have this? This is what epic is supposed to be. No, no, this is not epic. And that's the problem. The, the problem is we check out on the epic journey in the middle of the journey. We, we begin to think, you know, a couple hours into it, this ain't what I signed up for. And we miss the epic rewards, and we miss the epic life, and we miss the epic miracles of what God can do because we check out on it and we say, wait a minute, hold up, this is it, like my buddy said, you know. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Now, that, sound, that sounds pretty epic, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds pretty cool. You know, sounds like something, you, okay, we can make a movie out of this guy. I mean, all these things, and now, now he's going to escape. I mean, this you know, kind of a James Bond type thing or something. You know, he's going to escape, you know, now. And this is really cool. Verse 1, uh, the next chapter, chapter 12. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. 
But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. Verse 4, I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Tell me who else in the New Testament besides maybe John on the Isle of Patmos. Tell me who else had this testimony. Tell me who else had this, had this epic moment in his life that he was caught up into paradise and he saw and he heard things that I can't even describe to you. I can't even tell you what they are. Nobody but the Apostle Paul, the writer of these words. And you know, if you want to get to here, then you got to take the epic journey. You don't jump to chapter 12, verse 4 here and just say, oh, I was caught up. We try to do that, don't we? I mean, we, we say, we're, we're going to come together on a Sunday morning. We're going to have some great public worship. You know, we're going to join together in worshiping, and glorifying him, and we're all going to get caught up. We're not going to get caught up into verse 4 if we've not been walking epic Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're not going to get caught up into a place to hear and see astounding things and, and have epic moments in our life if we've not been living epic and, cha- and, and accepting the challenge to live epic all week long. And I know, you, you, you know, some of you say, well, this just ain't worth it. I'm just, I'm just happy to come get my little something on Sunday morning. But you know what? Souls don't get saved when Christians just come get their little something on Sunday morning. Families aren't, aren't pulled back together. Marriages aren't rescued. Teenagers aren't pulled from the, from the grips of, from, of abuse and, and addiction. Uh, men are rescued from uh, the, the, the throes of alcohol addiction. Women and children are rescued from abuse. When, when Christians just come on Sunday morning to, to get their little, you know, give, give me my little shot of adrenaline and help me get out of here today because I got a lot of things to do. It doesn't happen that way. But for, for this world to be changed, for, for this world to be rescued from the, the evil that never sleeps, like Boromir said, for, for this world to be rescued from that evil, Christians are going to have to start living epic life. And I'm not preaching to any church anywhere in this city today except for Church 2911. This, this is not a message that God laid on my heart for the church down the road or up the street or anywhere else. This is a message for the people sitting on your, these chairs right here today. God's calling you to live epic. He's not calling somebody. He is calling you to live epic. I say, well, this is kind of still scary, Pastor. I don't, you know, why do you want to go to all that? Is there anybody here that you, you loved playing football in high school? Any of you guys, y'all love playing football in high school? Mike, you like playing, really love playing football. Did you get any bruises? Did you know you were going to get bruised? I mean, did you go into this saying, I'm, never, you know, I'm not going to have any pain, not going to have any hurt? You know, if, if I were to tell you right now, you know, or you already know all the stuff you're going to do, would you go back right now and play football just one more season? If God lets you get back in the time machine, would you go back and play even though you knew you was going to get bruised? And maybe even break a bone, possibly, or, you know, get run over, or those kinds of things. Exactly. Why? Because it's not about that. It's about the epic to, to get to and enjoy. It's about that. You know, I told you last year, you know, I'm, I'm that guy, you know, I, I, I can't kick a football straight more than about three feet, you know. But, you know, I, 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 that's the drive that I've got. I want to be the guy when the game's on the line in the last three seconds. You know, send me in. Let me kick a 50-something-yard field goal. You know, I, I want to be that guy. I want, I, want to, I want to experience the epic, and I know to experience the epic, you've got to live the epic. So that's what the challenge is today. It's not just to look for it and say, why isn't this happening in my life, but to back up and understand 
the chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 stuff, that has to, you've got to go on the journey to get to the place of epic. Now, this guy, Paul, I want to, I want to preach to you for just a few moments about uh, this one instance in Paul's life. And uh, it's in the book of Acts, chapter 17. And let's set it up for you a little bit, because you, you, you need to understand this about this thing. He's ended up being run off out of two cities because he's preaching the word of God. And uh, Jews, but also people of other uh, religions are angry with him for preaching about Jesus Christ. And because of that, they kind of, his followers, Paul's helpers, they kind of get him out of town. They go to another village. Same thing happens. The actual, the first village sends some people down to run Paul out of that town. They get worried. Paul's buddies get worried he's going to be, he's going to be hurt or he's going to be killed. And so they send him down to Athens. And they send him down there close to the sea because they want to, him to be able to get on a ship and they're about to travel on. They send him on ahead to Athens and they're closing up and taking care of some things. And so Paul finds himself now in Athens and he's there just, he's just there waiting. I mean, he's not there on purpose or at least as far as any human can tell. It's like he's there by accident. He's just there waiting on everybody else to show up. But there's something epic about Paul. His life is never just a, a waiting for somebody else to show up. His life is never about waiting for the other shoe to drop. His life is never about waiting for something else to happen. It's always about, I've got a purpose right here. And here in Athens, just waiting on his buddies to show up, epic happens. Aren't you ready for some epic to happen in your life? Aren't you, you know what? Opportunities are around you every day that you live. If you don't believe it, watch this. Watch this story right here. You're going to see it right here in the scripture. We're going to read it. You're going to see nobody knocks Paul on the head and says, hey, wake up. Here it is. But he's got his eyes open. He's got his heart open. He's got his ears open. And he sees epic opportunity. Here it is. Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. His spirit was provoked. Now, that word provoked, a lot of times we only use it in a negative sense. Like, you get, I'm provoked at you, you know, I'm mad at you, that kind of a thing. And maybe, maybe he was provoked, but the word provoked doesn't always mean negative and ugly and mad and that kind of thing. Sometimes it just means, it just means stirred. You know, his spirit was stirred. I mean, he was provoked. And, you know, we don't know. Was, he might have been mad. He might have been angry. But the important thing is that's not what he's taught. It's not saying that he got angry. It's saying that his spirit was stirred and it caused him to act. It caused him to do something. He couldn't walk around, even though he was just there waiting on somebody else. You ever been waiting on a bus, train, plane, something like that, or just waiting on somebody to drive by and pick you up, you know, or somebody come to your house? That's what he was doing. He was just sitting there and waiting for somebody else to show up. And in the sitting there, he was still provoked. In the middle of his waiting, his spirit was stirred to do something. In verse 18, uh, I'm sorry, verse 17, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Okay, here again, it's an accident, isn't it? It's just those that happened to be there. And when does it happen? It happens daily. Why did it happen? Because his spirit was provoked. Because there's something inside of this epic man that, that causes him to never see any of his days as epic. To never see any of his relationships, I'm, I'm sorry, to never see any of his days as anything but epic. To never see anything, any of his relationships as anything but epic. To never see any of his moments, any of his conversations as anything but potential epic opportunities for something powerful to happen. And so it happened daily. He reasoned with them daily. He talked with them daily. 
This, 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 there was this epic inside of him that, that made him challenge them daily because, and you'll see in just a moment about the why this was open to him, but he did it because there's something in his spirit that was stirring him. It was that dream. That dream for epic to happen. That dream for somebody to be delivered. That dream for somebody to receive what, what Jesus Christ had to offer for them. It was this that stirred him on a constant daily basis. You remember a couple of weeks ago I talked to you about Sabbath? You remember when is the Sabbath? You remember the Old Testament Sabbath was on Saturday, right? When is the New Testament Sabbath? Don't answer that it's Sunday because it's not. Our, te- our, our Sabbath today, the Christian Sabbath is not on Sunday. The Christian Sabbath is daily. We have a seven-day Sabbath every week. We, we don't show up on Sunday to worship him and go home and it's over. That's not what the Sabbath is anymore. You remember what Christ said about the Old Testament law? He said, I didn't come to do away with that. He said, I came to fulfill it. And, and what they used to do for just one day, what they used to do just for 24 hours, you and I do 24-7. Every day that we live, every moment that we live is our Sabbath where we worship him, serve him, we honor him, and we say this is a, it's a holy and a hallowed day before him. We give, we give this day to him, uh, and tomorrow morning it's going to be another Sabbath. And that's what, that's what Paul was doing. You don't take a day off when you're an epic Christian. You don't take a week off when you're an epic Christian. When you go, you know, some people go on vacation. When you're on vacation, you're not taking that time off from being an epic Christian. There's opportunity if you're at the beach or you're at, if, up in the mountains. You know, if you're fishing or, or hunting or wherever you're at, there's epic opportunity, and that's what Paul understood. And where did he do it? In the marketplace. It, just anywhere he could find people to talk to. And think about where, where would Paul act in an epic way today if he lived with us today you know what he everywhere he'd be acting epic in starbucks wouldn't he oh he'd be sitting around he'd you know he'd be he'd be talking about more than coffee in starbucks you know and and at the ballpark yeah i believe paul would go to the ballpark some people think oh christian should no paul go to the ballpark because there's a whole lot of people around ballparks that, that need to hear about jesus and he would go to the city park, you know, park benches where people sat and just talked and, and, and walking tracks. And, and he would walk with people. He would sit with people. He would talk to them. Paul would have a Facebook. I guarantee you, Paul would have a Facebook. And he'd tweet and he'd blog as well. I guarantee you he would. You look, at, you look at what he was. I mean, he wrote half of the New Testament. He would definitely have a Facebook account. He would definitely tweet. He would definitely blog and any other social media. The next one that comes out, Paul would be on it. He would be doing those things. I, I don't know what talents he would have if he was here, but if he had the talents, he would make Christian movies like Fireproof and, and Facing the Giants and uh, Courageous and, and some of these good, good Christian movies that are coming out now. He, he would make those things. He would not use his talents to just make Hollywood better and to make himself richer. He would use his talents and abilities He'd make Christian music if he had the ability. If he, if he was able to sing, write, or whatever, he, would, he wouldn't use those things just for himself. He would use those things to engage this world for Christ and let them understand that Jesus Christ died. Thank God that we've got some, some Pauls around, you know, that are writing some of the songs, like the songs that we sang this morning, and taking that old one and twisting in a new one is right there, that last one we sang, and just awesome. Uh, you know, and the, and the things that are written, this is, what, this is what Paul would do, this is where Paul would be, and you know, here's the cool thing, isn't it? That's where you already are, aren't you? I mean, you're already at Starbucks, or you're already at the ballpark. You're at the city park. You're at the walking track, you, you know, and you're already on Facebook. You're tweeting every day, or you're writing a blog. You're already there. You've got, and, and if you're not, 
It's right there at your hands. It's right there at your disposal. The only thing that needs to change is what? Your, your days don't need to change that much. Your times don't need to change that much. You don't have to spend a whole lot more money. The only thing that needs to change is our attitude has to change to being epic about every day realizing that God can do something epic through me at, at Starbucks or the ballpark or any place that I go, just realizing, recognizing, and accepting that God wants to do epic through you. Every, that's the only thing that has to change. You know, and here's what Paul did is he met them at the place of, of, of their need. For all the Athenians, the, the people of Athens, and the foreigners who were there, they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. They were constantly just looking for some new thing. You know, they, they had to hear, the, what, what, is, what is the latest thing that people are talking about, you know? I guarantee you, today, the Athenians, they'd be talking about Calvinism, and not that Calvinism is new, but just this resurgence of it. I guarantee you, they'd be talking about Rob Bell this week. They'd all, they'd all have their copies of his new book, and they'd be out in the street, and they'd all be talking about it. That's, that's the kind of thing. They were always looking for, what is the new thing? In time? And so this is what Paul did. Is he met them at the place of their need. You know why they always wanted to talk about the new thing? Because there was an empty place in their heart. And the thing they discussed yesterday didn't fill that empty place. So let's look for something new to discuss today and see if that satisfies my longing for an understanding of who I am and where I'm supposed to be in life and what's supposed to be happening. That's what was going on. That's why people are walking around every day looking for the new thing. That's why, that's why you know, people like... Dr. Phil and Oprah, that's why they make millions of dollars. It's because everybody's looking for the new thing. You know, that's, that's why uh, these info commercials rake in millions of dollars. It's because people are looking for the new thing. Why? Because there's, there's an empty place in their life. There's some need, there's some question, there's some doubt, there's some fear, there's some problem, there's some, some, something that's happening in their life. And what Paul understood is this is my opportunity. Oh, and I love what he did here. I love what he did here. You know, he, he, taught, he, he met them at their opportunity. And, and you and I have the same opportunity as well. Because today, I mean, people, they've, they've got fear because of, because of this tragedy in Japan. And could the same thing happen here? And I heard somebody say, well, you know, the exact same thing couldn't happen here because, you know, we're not going to have a tidal wave in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, as if that means... Tragedy can't happen here. I said this Wednesday night, and I've said it several times. We're just caught up in our own self-importance as the United States of America, as if life is going to continue as it is. But people, you know, people are a little worried about some of this stuff, about Japan, about, about the Middle East unrest and things. And, I mean, you know, it's not just $3.5 a gallon of gas that's really causing us trouble. I mean, you know, this, this thing's a powder keg. It hadn't blown up yet, and gas is already up three and a half dollars. What's it going to do to you if this thing really blows up over there? And gas is seven or ten dollars a gallon. What's it going to do? People are worried about that kind of thing. You know, I don't have to scare you with that. You're already scared about that, and that's what people are scared of today. The economy's already bad, right? I, you know, I mean, people have already a lot of people have already lost their retirement accounts because they had them in you know, stock market or something like that. They've lost that. They've lost their their funding, their finances for other things. They, they've lost their jobs. You know, we, we've had people in our church that, that lost their jobs and got another job and lost that job just in the past six months. I mean, that's, that's the economy. And people are scared. They're worried. They don't know what to do. 
People are thinking about going out in the backyard and plowing again, trying to plant something so we'll have something to eat this fall just in case this thing really tanks. And people have family problems, arguments, and things are tearing their families and their marriages apart. Abuse is happening. Yes, listen, abuse is happening. Maybe it's not happening to you. Maybe, maybe nobody's ever abused you and your family, but there are people in this church who have been abused in their past and they're still hurting from that. Hey, guess what? It's still happening out there. If you're the, one of those that have been abused in your past, you understand just because you've been set free, it doesn't mean everybody else is set free. If you, if you had a spouse that was abusing you some years ago, but you're, you're delivered from that, you understand there are people still out there today, right now, who, who, are, who are doctoring up bruises that they got last night from an abusive spouse. If you're, if you're a, a person who was, who was uh, molested when you were a child, you were repeatedly abused when you were a child, understand that just because you're an adult and it doesn't happen to you anymore, that doesn't mean it's over. It's still happening out there. There are kids crying this morning because of abuse that happened to them last, and they don't understand. And it's happening still out there. And for us to just sit around and act like, thank God it's okay with me. And we just come in Sunday morning, we kind of get our, our warm, fuzzy feel good. Thank you, God, for letting me be here. But God wants us to, he didn't just deliver us because he loves us. Yes, he did that, but he also delivered us so that we could turn around and be epic for somebody else's life. Somebody else needs the epic dream and the epic beauty that you've got in your life now because you've been delivered and somebody else hasn't yet. People out there in loneliness, sadness, depression, people who, who, who are contemplating suicide. And many of you have had suicidal thoughts in your life, but you've conquered that and, and you've gotten to a place where you're settled again now. But let me tell you, there are people still out there today. And, and if, we just, if we just become or we continue to be the normal average Christian in the United States of America today... Our friends, our neighbors, they're still going to be killing themselves suicide and with alcoholism and drug addiction and those things. They're, they're still going to be killing themselves with that unless we accept the challenge to begin living epic Christian lives. And, you know, this is not about coming to a church that feels good. This is not about coming to a place that feels good. You need to be stretched. You need some tension in your life. You need to be reminded. You need to see the faces of those that are crying out for some kind of, uh, some kind of help and understand. And you need to be preaching to them. I don't mean with a heavy hand, but you need to be preaching to them that God has a better dream for that than their, in their life. He's got an epic dream. Not, not, just, not just something to make them feel better for a, an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but he's got an epic dream for them. So quit, come on, Christian, we got to quit chasing after what makes us happy. And when somebody's got to step up to the challenge to say, I want to see Epic again. I want to see Epic again. And this next scripture, we need to go on. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And some, some renderings of that says, You're too superstitious. I love, I love this right here. He says, for as I was passing through your city, I, 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 considering all these idols and objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. Oh, that's awesome, isn't it? That is epic in attitude, epic in dream, epic in opportunity, epic in, in listening and seeing. I mean, he was walking down the street, and he saw, man, these people even have an altar to a God they don't know. Just in case they missed one, 
you know. I got all these, all these idols and all these statues. But, you know, somebody thought, you know, just in case we miss one, let's not make him mad too. And so they build an altar to an unknown God. And you know what Paul says? That's my opportunity. That's what he sees. In the, I mean, this is craziness that is going on in their life, right? That they would say, let's build an altar to a God that's unknown just in case we miss one. We don't. I mean, that's crazy. But what does Paul say? That's my opportunity. He had an epic attitude and an epic dream that, that even the craziness in people's lives was his opportunity. Oh, God just quickened me and reminded me of somebody that has got a crazy life. And he said, you know, that's, you still got opportunity there. He, he, God's telling me this right now. I mean, I mean, there's something in my heart that's brewing right now. That, and there's, there people are saying, this thing is over, this is over, this is over in their life. And, and, but there's a craziness that is in their life. And when I said that, it's like the Holy Spirit just quickened me and told me that's not over for them either. If I'll have an epic dream and they can get an epic dream and we can challenge them to be epic in their dreams and their beliefs. Come on, you need to look around. Are you thinking, is there somebody around you that their life is just so crazy and hectic and strange and, 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 and just out of, out, of, uh, out of control and there's no sense to it and there's problems and, and there's doubts and questions and fears and God's saying, that's the place to go dream epic. Because most people sitting on church pews today, they don't want epic. They want things to just keep going like they are. They just want to go to the ballpark and enjoy little Johnny's game. They don't want to go to the ballpark and see God has an epic opportunity. When somebody sits down beside them and says, I've really been going through some tough times. We just want to say, I'll be praying for you. Come on. Amen or oh me. I'll be praying for you. And if we remember sometime the next week, we might throw a 10 or 15 second prayer up to heaven. But chances are we'll forget before we even get out of the bleachers and head home. Most Christians don't want an epic opportunity, but God has challenged you to epic. Jamie, come if you will. Two last verses right here. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked Paul while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. They were intrigued. They were intrigued. They were so, ooh. Now some of them mocked and said, ha, 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 you're funny. But they were intrigued, even though they were laughing. And others said, we're going to hear you again on this matter. We, we, we want, we'll come back tomorrow, because we're always looking for some new thing. They were intrigued, but even though they were intrigued, they didn't respond. They didn't accept. And so you look and say, well, Paul's efforts were for nothing then, weren't they? My efforts for the king? My efforts for the king? will never be nothing. <laughs> I mean, my efforts for the, if I do what the king asked me to do and I don't see any response, that's not for nothing. I'm serving the king. And if the king asked me to go do something that looks like a total waste of time and I do it and it was a waste of time, it was not a waste of time because I'm serving the king. But the story doesn't end there. One more verse of Scripture, verse 34. However, some men joined him and believed, among them Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Several. Even though most intrigued but were unresponsive, several joined them. A few came on board. And even this guy, now this uh, Areopagus uh, didn't really take time to explain to you, but it was just really like a, a, an outdoor court, a, a place to appeal to your case. And this was the place where, where Paul was 
arguing with them. And, and so this guy, Dionysius, was an Areopagite. I mean, he was one of the senators or whatever they called the guys, you know, that, that, that were there. I mean, he was one of these counselors that sat there, and he heard Paul talk, and he heard Paul reason, and something quickened inside of him. And so even he, even he one of those, was challenged by this. And so a few listened, and a few heard. And because of the few, listen to this, because of the few, the epic journey is worth it. One or two, the epic journey is worth it. Will you agree with me on that? If only one hears, if only one says yes, if only one comes, it's worth it. If you talk for 10 days at Starbucks, everybody that comes in while you're sitting there, and only one says, tell me more about this Jesus. The few are worth it. It'll be worth it. Would you stand with me and come to the front? Let's close here. Three weeks from today, we'll begin third year of our third anniversary of the relaunch, the launch of Church 2911, the official launch. The beginning of the year, I preached to you a message about third year, and I told you the things we were going to do to get ready for it and what God was going to do through us. And as we, we've started now this year, we've started doing these things, and we talked about, you know, going deeper. We talked about that, and then we actually preached about it. And we actually challenged each other, and some of you accepted the challenge to go deeper in your walk with God, deeper in your, deeper in your commitment to Him. We talked about that in the Temple series. Last month, we talked about growing stronger and, and closer together like the trunk of a tree. The, all these roots and the nutrients and everything that is growing just comes all together and gets real strong right there together and, and draws closer to, one, tr- closer to each other. And the strength of the tree is right there in, in, that, in, in that trunk of the unity of it got a tree that's branching off the trunk is branching off in so many different ways as soon as it comes up out of the ground it's not going to be very strong but a tree that is has one strong has one strong trunk is the strongest we talked about that now this month is about wider because the whole purpose is to be able to reach out to stretch out wide and that trunk does when it gets to gets to that perfect level you know it does begin to branch off in many branches and what comes from the branches leaves and fruit right Fruit comes from the branches. Fruit that, you know, is, and, and, and what is new fruit? It, I mean, that's the symbol of new Christians, obviously. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about reaching into places we never reach. You know, and if, if we want, our, if we want our, our, our reach to expand, then what do we do? We, we've got to go deeper so we can get more nutrients, so we can be stronger, a stronger tree, so then we can reach out farther. And some trees that are huge and big, and uh, they don't have a whole lot of fruit. So it's not about just reaching farther. It's about reaching and reaching with purpose to make sure that we have fruit. And so I'm challenging today, I'm challenging you today to live an epic Christian life. Because God, He saved you because He loves you. But He's left you here because He's got something for you to do. If God loves you so much and He doesn't have something for you to do here, He'd take you on to heaven and make you quit worrying with all this junk down here. Right? Think about that. But you're still here because you've got something to do. You've got, you've got a, a family to lead 
to heaven, to continue. You got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews to pour into and to continue to lead. You've got something to do in your communities. The ones you, the one you live in, the one you work in, the one you go to school in. You've got, you've got something to do for God. This, this month, I want to challenge you. This is something that the staff's been praying for for several, several months now. Is we're praying that this month, we get 40 people to accept the challenge. The challenge to go, to go wider. And we, we want to we try, to, try to find 40 people to, to touch, to do 40 touches in our community. I mean, this, this is something God laid on my heart months ago. And, and, and this, this is the first step. And, I, and I, I kicked it off for us last week. I, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I kicked it off for us last week. Our neighbor, um, our neighbor's next door, she's from Hawaii, and they, they spent about three weeks in Hawaii last month. And, and when it was time for me to cut my grass, guess what? There's needed cutting too. And I knew two or three days before I cut my grass, I'm going to cut Jamie's grass. And so I was over there and I was cutting and you know what? I had, I, I had some epic journey type stuff. Ran over their dog leash. They don't know it yet. I got to go buy one of those. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, I got, you know, and I, I had some epic journey kind of stuff. I can tell you the reward when, when, when she showed up and I haven't even seen Jamie yet, but when she showed up at our door, she said, I'd been over three times, knocked on the door, trying to find y'all at home. And they actually heard while they were in Hawaii that, that I cut their grass. While I was cutting the grass, God just spoke to me. He said, you're getting the 40, 40 touches started right now. That's what we're talking about. Is this, this, was, this is what was laid on our heart. We've been praying about that God will give us 40 people in this church to say, I'll do a touch this month. If it, if it takes going into May, that'll be all right. But to sign up this month and begin praying about it. And I want you to pray. That's what we're going to pray right now. And let this be your first step into, into going epic in your Christian walk with God. And I want you to sign up. We're going to sign up uh, on the iPad here. We want you to sign up, put some contact. If you've got an email address, please put that there. Okay, we'd rather have that so we can email you. But then we've got these cards, and here's, here's what I want you to do. You know, I didn't have the cards that I could give them. But if you go cut your neighbor's grass, and just leave the card in the front door. It says you've been touched. You've just been touched. Church 2911 is reaching out in the community with many little blessings, and you've just been the recipient of one. God bless you and have a great day. Mike, show that, uh, those suggestions. There's all kinds of things you can do. How many, how many of you have had your, your lunch or your breakfast bought by somebody in a drive through line? I have. I've had it happen twice. You're down here at Jack's. It's going to make some of you want to go to Jack's, isn't it? <laughs> you know? That's what this is. It's about, and, and, and it's going to be the most insignificant thing you may think. But when you realize it, and when they realize, well, oh, this was a Christian that was touching me. That's the reason for the card. This was a church that was touching me. This is out of the heart of Christ. That's going to be the important thing. And if yours is going to touch one person, you need a card. If yours is going to, you're going to be passing out something downtown or right in front of Walmart or Target or Kmart or somewhere, then you're going to need a bunch of them. we got 500 here, so 40 we ought to have. 40, 40 touches, we ought to have enough. I want you to pray with me about this. And when this prayer is over, we're going to be dismissed. James is going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. But when you finish praying, just step right back here to Tina and put your name on that list. If you, if you, feel, if you say, I'm going to do a touch somehow, some way this week, some more suggestions there. If you want more suggestions, I got more. 
on this list. We've got, got some of these things we got from other churches, and one of them was Bradley's that he talked to me about a long time ago, and I took it off so that nobody would steal his. These are just suggestions to get you thinking. Would you pray with me right now? And would you accept the challenge to live epic and quit just living a normal, average, usual Christian life? God.